Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Kelly S., that's with an E-Y, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So happy Friday. Today is Friday, January 10th, uh, 2020. Today we're reading from the big book. We're on page 82. We're going to be reading on that first paragraph. Uh, Perhaps there are some cases, and just commenting on that one. Today's readers, the 12 Steps, Tens and P, 12 Traditions, Christina L. The readers of our text today will be Reva P. and Janice P.M. and Kathy C. Newcomer greeter today, Du L. And our second hour host will be Deanna B. The reference numbers for Wednesday, yesterday, January 9th, uh, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 13944. 13944 and our 10 a.m. Eastern Time 13946 13946 OA Preamble Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience strength and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating we welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively there are no dues or fees for members we are not self we are not we are actually self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps to OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, end quote. At a vision for you big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now have Tenzin P. read the 12 steps. Good morning, Tenzin. Star one, oh, Tenzin. Hi. Thank you very much. Good morning. It's Tenzin checking in from New York. Grateful to be here. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, committed to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. 
continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Well, th- Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you so much, Tenzin P. And now Christina L. will read our 12 traditions. Good morning, Christina. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, everyone. Um, here are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, of Readers Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me do service. Have a great day and happy Friday. Thank you for your service, Christina L. So here's how this wonderful meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we do ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes, and I'll be timing you. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to the paragraph that was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then you'll press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today, we're in the big book, of course, of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're uh, on page 82. We're studying that first paragraph that says, 
perhaps there are some cases in commenting on that one. And so today I'm having Reva P. do that for us. Good morning, Reva. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Perhaps there are some cases where the utmost frankness is demanded. No outsider can appraise such an intimate situation. It may be that both will decide that the way of good sense and loving kindness is to let bygones be bygones. Each might pray about it, having the other one's happiness uppermost in mind. Keep it always in sight that we are dealing with that most terrible human emotion, jealousy. Good generalship may decide that the problem be attacked on the flank rather than risk a face-to-face combat. Okay, so I am Reva P., Grateful Recovered, Compulsive Overeater. What this is reminding me is um, to remember I'm at step nine here and I've done all the pre-work. I've looked at my resentments, my fears, looked at where I've harmed people, and I understand the nature of the harm. And now I'm repairing the damage. Um, And this just speaks to me about discretion and asking for guidance. Um, What do I have to do? What do I have to say? Um, I need guidance from my higher power and from my sponsor. And it just strikes me here, good sense and loving kindness, that was so not me and that is not me unless I have my food down and work the steps. Um, Because my way, um, when people wrong me um, or I feel wronged, is first of all, I ignore the wrong and harm that I've done others, that's for sure. And I want to punish, um, and I want to retaliate. And thank you, God, for the 180-degree shift in the way I think and behave. Um, And it's such a great reminder um, that in order to have good sense and practice loving kindness, I need to access and begin to access this power. Um, Yeah, and sometimes knowing when to say, let it go. Um, And I cannot do that unless I have access to power. Of my own will, I can't just let things go. Um, And then it talks about the word jealousy. And I looked up that word, and jealousy is resentment against a rival, against um, somebody's success, somebody's advantage. Um, Mental uneasiness from suspicion or fear of rivalry. And you know what? Thank you, God. By doing the work in this program, I don't have to live with mental, physical uneasiness. Um, Yeah. And keeping the other person's happiness uppermost in mind. Yet again, you know, I thought that the way to be happy was to make everybody do what I want them to do. Um, Maybe including punishing them for what they did so they'll learn better next time. But this is the opposite. This is... um, focusing on others and selflessly um, giving to others um, and letting things go. And um, that's all I got in my past. Thank you. Well, thank you, Reva P., for getting us started this morning. So if you've not shared in the last couple days and would like to share on the paragraph that was just read, um, give me your first and then it goes back. Tina S. Chuck K. from Georgia. Tina S. Chuck K. Larry K. 
Larry K. Janice PM. Janice PM. Rolling all. Caroline S. Wait, hang on just a minute. Was it Caroline R? I heard a Caroline R. Caroline L. Caroline, well, what the heck? Caroline L. Gotcha. Well, let's stop there. Got a good lineup. Here's who I have Tina S., Chuck K., Larry K., Janice PM., Caroline L., and Sandra S. So please make sure you're muted, star one, and we'll get started with Tina S. Good morning, Tina. Good morning, Kelly. Thanks so much for your service, Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a great share uh, to start the, the paragraph. You know, and, uh, I, you know, I like want to say ditto, 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 but, you know, bottom line is, you know, if I really look at what this is is uh, asking me to do, and and, and, this, and first off, that I have already done the, the uh, prior work, for sure, so that I, I don't cause more harm, because I have experience where that has happened. Well, I don't do the work, and I think I just got to go tell you all that I've done to you, whether you know it or not, and that did cause some harm. But, it, you know, and it talks about, it, it says, uh, perhaps there are some cases where the utmost frankness is demanded, and frankness, the quality of being open, honest, and direct in speech or writing, you know, and I, and I try to do that. But prior to, you know, it says no outsider can appraise such an intimate situation. You know, my experience is that I did talk it over with someone else and, and my, my sponsor always is now what's the best for everyone involved, Tina, what's the best for everyone involved. And if someone does not know, should I tell them? And, and my experience is probably not you know, so that I don't cause more harm. But in a general way, the amends I can make is to be honest and true if I am still in that relationship and, um, and, and to think, to keep their, their good in mind, you know. And I love that it was shared about that. You know, it says, you know, and another thing it talks about, good sense and loving kindness and let bygones be bygones. You know, I, I also am one of those ones. If I'm not doing the deal, there is no way that, you know, that I'm coming from the way of good sense and loving kindness because that's not my persona. That's not my go-to. Now, when I do the work and I want to be the woman God would have me be, I do this stuff and I am that way. But, um, you know, I, I love that it gives me specific direction here and I can really take it to heart and counsel with somebody else and not continue to cause more harm and amend my behavior and do what's right for the person, the other person involved. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Tina S. Next up, we have Chuck K. followed by Larry K. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning. It's Chuck. Can you hear me? I can. So what I have to remember is if I'm working the steps with someone, I'm not the expert. I'm the person that's created such a mess that I have to ask for help on. And so what I think might be the right course of action may not be. And so that I have to listen to others. And guess what? Listening to others is something I really don't like to do. I like to have all the answers. I like to know what's going on and make the plan. I don't want to listen to anyone else. And so it just is important for me to know that I have to listen. Because step nine is about fixing what I have done, not what others have done. And while I'm fixing what I've done, I can't go out there and create more stuff that needs to be fixed. Now, 
what I want to do is I want to work the steps. I want to get all of this stuff done where I don't want to have to work at it anymore. That's what I really want to do. But what program tells me is the living amends, the everyday living these steps so that I'm not creating additional harm in this world is the important thing. And many times my amends don't mean crap to somebody because I have behaved so poorly and I have had to apologize multiple times. What I say doesn't matter. What I do is what they're looking at. My behavior is what's being um, given the value to. And so all of this just reminds me of how important listening is, listening to other people, taking their advice, uh, working on my faith, which is trusting in something I don't believe through listening to someone else. And that's what I should be doing now because I'm not an expert and I never will be. Now, I might be able to help somebody else with my strength, hope, and experience. And I have seen where people have done step nine work thinking that they were doing the right thing and causing additional harm. And that's a lesson for them to listen. So listening is a very important skill. It's what your grandmother tells you to do. But for some reason, I don't want to do it. I refuse to do it because I want things my way. And this is a very good lesson for me to learn how important it is to listen and trust what somebody else is telling me. And I think that's a very important lesson. And thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much for sharing, Chuck Kay. So next up we have Larry Kay followed by Janice PM. Hey, Larry. Hey, Kelly. Good morning. Thanks for your service. Good morning. Um, you know, I can be uh, physically abstinent and I cannot have emotional sobriety. We're in step nine here, but it just reminds me, um, you know, I, just like the big book tells us, I, I, I step on the toes of others. I kick them. I zap them. And when they retaliate, I don't see it. I just don't see it. I never see it. You know, the instructions in our text offer us a wonderful chance to get out of the autopilot state of reactivity. I'm on that autopilot state of reactivity, and my, my mind needs to be awakened to new possibilities of being and doing. In step nine, you know, I tend to pray, you know, asking God to change me in the way God would have me be. And th this frees me up from the prisons that I've erected in the past. And see, an unawakened mind can be abstinent. But that unawakened mind doesn't let bygones be bygones. An unawakened person ruled by self simply cannot allow the other person's happiness to be uppermost in their mind. In other words, when I'm running the show, your happiness is absolutely important to me, just as long as it doesn't get in the way of mine. If your happiness means that you don't follow my rules, see, I feel threatened. And I'll take my ball and go home. It was never about what made you feel happy. Your happiness must not crisscross with mine or I'll sting you. You know, a prideful mind is what, what step nine is working on for me. A prideful mind is mandated to judge others and assert their authority over others. And the spiritually sick mind can always find a safe island of moral authority, a high ground 
in which to preside over others. And they stake out a position of I'm right, you're wrong. And you know what, what is absolutely lost in that position, in that thick fog of false pride? I'll tell you, what's lost is any profound connection to my higher power where loving kindness, compassion, and acceptance are the only currency available in this program because compassion and love for others is shaped by one's awareness, their attention, their intention. If all I'm able to see is what's wrong with others, my world becomes very small. Step nine allows my mind to, you know, not to atrophy and I will be open to what God's will is for me. And when I dare to follow these instructions, I experience new ways of being, new ways of behaving. And our, my brain fires on a different route now. It's aligned with God. With that, I pass. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, Larry. Appreciate it. All right. Let's see. Oh, Janice PM followed by Caroline L. Hey, Janice. Hi, Kelly S., and good morning to everyone. My name is uh, Janice P.M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, let me just put this a little bit louder. Okay, so what I, what, I, what I understand in this paragraph is we're talking here um, the continuation of domestic troubles, and, and it could apply to, you know, a lot of the other things, a lot of other situations and circumstances in our lives. This is step nine. Now we're a little bit changed. We're a little bit different. We're really depending upon a higher power here, as we have learned throughout the first eight steps. So this is very, very, very good directions. And, and I have experienced this in my home with my husband. And um, I had to, of course, have the guidance the leadership of a sponsor. And second, the direction is to take it to your higher power for our direction, which is very important for me because um, this is where I get my insight and my wisdom. So what it says here, and these people that wrote the book, this is why they can write like this. Um, what they're telling us is treat others, whether it's my husband, treat him and he treats me, it works both ways, treat others as I would want to be treated. Now, it says here, I love this, let, let bygones be bygones. And, you know, I know my husband has pr had practices to the T, some situation and circumstances and bitterness and jealousy in my home happened, and he in 55 years, well, it was probably 40 years when I did it, whatever, um, he never brought it up to me. He never brought it up and said, you know, you did this and you did that. You know, because when, you know, you go on in, in your life, with you, in your marriage or whatever situation it is, and you get angry, you may, mm -mm, you know, loose lips sink ships. And, uh, but he never, never, um, brought it up to me. Let bygones be bygones, which is don't throw it up into somebody else's face. Well, you did this 20 years ago, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And it has to work for both of us because this is a very, very uh, hurting situation. The emotion is jealousy and it's boy or betrayal if it should happen. And that's not very nice. So good generalship. 
good direction, good leadership, and uh, pray into my higher power and asking him what I should do about this situation. My husband didn't have a program, but he knew it anyway, and he never brought it up. I don't know if I slipped once in a while or whatever, but um, I know I can, you know, make amends uh, that way. Fine. Um, oh, thank you, thank you. And I know that God will be the final judge, so he's the one that gave me the strength to go to do this and not bring things up. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks, Kelly. Well, thank you, Janice PM. Next up, we have Caroline L. followed by Sandra S. Good morning, Caroline. Hi, I'm Caroline. I'm a food addict impulsive overeater. And I just want to share that um, when I was in the food, I just, I didn't care what I did. I just cared what other people did and how they wronged me. And um, that's all that mattered. But now, um, now the abstinent working the program, the surrendering my disease and and everything to God. Um, I just want to make amends for um, for what I've done, my part, and what a difference. And just being able to let go. Yes, someone did that or wronged me in some way, but what did I do? What what can I change? Um, and so I'm just so grateful for that clarity. And with that, I pass. Caught me off guard. Sorry. Thank you, Caroline L. All right. Next up is Sandra S., and then we'll open it up for some more shares. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning. This is Sandra S., a compulsive overeater from Oklahoma City. And I just wanted to admit that I've had so many great special spiritual experiences and the attitude change and the change of my heart from starting this program back in April has been so amazing. And the happiness that I feel inside and the love that I feel inside towards others is something that I never, ever want to stop feeling. And I'm grateful to God. I'm grateful to this program because at one point in time, it seems as if uh, I was experiencing a lot of jealousy, particularly towards females who were what I would call just the right weight or just uh, maybe more outgoing than I was or whatever the issue was. And I don't spend my time thinking about uh, that anymore. I, I say in my prayers every day to the Lord, I can love every and anybody. And I thank God for that very special spiritual experience of knowing that he put that inside of my spirit, uh, that I can be a help to someone uh, and I'm, I'm constantly smiling. I, sometimes I feel like the joker that I can't stop smiling. I, I go in the face of the, uh, in the mirror and look at my face and, and say, what are you smiling about? And, you know, and uh, it's just the joy that has come in. And uh, I thank God for the joy. During Christmas, I had a chance to speak at several uh, events, and I, the Lord gave me jingle, which is joy in God's love every day. So I'm keeping my jingle going. And with that, I thank everybody, and I pass. Well, thank you, Sandra S. Good to hear another Okie on the line. All right, so guys, uh, if you're just joining us or if you forgot, like I tend to do, 
We are in the big book. Uh, we are on page 82, first paragraph, and commenting on just this one paragraph. Perhaps there are some cases. If you haven't shared in the last couple of days and would like to, we'd love to hear from you. Give me your first name and initial of your last. Do L. Do L. Melissa C. Melissa C. Lou C. Who is it? Lou? Lou. Mm-hmm. B is in blue. Okay. Gotcha. Lou B. Janice B. Janice B. You've been holding back from all the powerful voices. This is your day. All right. Well, think about it because we need more voices. So let's get started. Here's who I have. Do L, Melissa C, Lou B, and Janice B. Make sure you're muted by pressing star one, and we'll get started with do. Good morning, do. Brenda A. All right, Brenda, gotcha. Go ahead, do. Good morning. This is Sue uh, L, uh, Recover Compulsive Old Reader from New York, and um grateful to be here. Uh, it says here, perhaps there's some cases of the utmost frankness. And what is it talking about? Um, the two paragraphs prior is talking about infidelity, right? Like it's talking about if you committed infidelity, do you go to your partner and actually, you know, tell them? you know, what's going on? Do they actually know that you've been, uh, you know, cheating on them? Do they, or do they not know that, right? So if they do not know that, you don't want to go and, 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 um, and tell them, hey, you know, I, I cheated on you and I'm going to cause you more harm by telling you that I cheated on you, right? So that's not recommended. But does that mean that because I cheated on the partner that I don't owe that partner an amends? Um, even if they don't know, it says here that, you know, that we still have to make the amends, right? We still have to go and um, and do this in a good generalship uh, to attack the problem on the flank rather than face-to-face combat. What does that mean, on the flank? It means from an angle. It means not directly, but indirectly, you still make the amends, right? Um, I've had to work with um, sponsees that have had to make amends to their partners on this. And uh, we've, <clears throat> we've um, gone through the step work. We've talked about it. We've come up with a plan. And they've been able to, you know, to make those amends to their partners um, and make that commitment not to repeat that behavior with, with them or anybody else. Um, you know, and they've done the amends. Um, they haven't outrightly said, hey, you know, I've been totally unfaithful to you, but I've been, you know, in the past, they've probably seen other people. I've, I've done other things. And, um, you know, and so they can at that point choose to tell the partner, you know, be frank with them, or they can do it on the flank, you know, do it on, on a way where it's indirect. And but they're still making the amends, right? They're still making the amends. And I tell you, uh, the women I have sponsored 
that have made the amends to their spouses and have uh, corrected this behavior, their marriages have totally improved. Uh, I mean, there's a quality of life that's much better than they could ever thought of. And it's just, it's just a, a way of doing this that gives you an option, right? Um, to do this in a way where it's not going to cause jealousy, it's not going to cause uh, these terrible human emotions, but it's going to help the other person and it's going to mend those relationships. And that's the whole point of making these amends. It's like, you know, taking responsibility for the harm that we've done to others. Um, if we haven't, you know, if we haven't hurt the person by telling them directly, don't do that. You know, but if you still owe the amends, try to do it some kind of way where it's respectful, where it's loving, and where it's going to produce goodmanship. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Duel. So next up is Melissa C., followed by Lou B. Good morning, Melissa. Hi. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you so much for your service this morning. I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm in New York. And, um, you know, um, <laughs> what strikes me this morning is, like, this this thing of keeping others' happiness uppermost in my mind. And, you know, um you think like putting the food down is hard like sometimes putting other people's happiness uppermost in my mind like before my happiness um you know putting the food down was like uh was just a warm-up I mean really and I know the next few paragraphs are going to kind of talk about that like yeah being abstinent um okay big big deal like that that's just the beginning and you know, in my in my relationship with my husband and, and with really all of my family, um, I have amends to make, and um, and part of those amends means I let bygones be bygones. I don't hold on to every little thing that everybody did wrong, you know, and keep that list in my pocket because I I was really good at that. I would I was. Um, Somebody gave me this term recently. I was a um, I was a peace faker, so I would keep the peace in a fake way. But I had a list in my pocket of all the things that other people did wrong, and then, you know, I wouldn't quite show up in a way that kept their happiness uppermost in my mind because, after all, they did this to me. They they owed me. You know, they owed me something. And, um, you know, this instruction here means I let everything go. If I if I want to have um, recovery, if I want to have peace in my home, I have to I have to genuinely release, you know, my resentments and and I have to live in an agreement with keeping their happiness uppermost in my mind. And you know, and for me it shows up in small ways like my husband's back hurt this week. And, you know, part of my amends, um, although I wasn't, you know, I didn't have affairs, um, I, wasn't, I wasn't an active participant in the family because I was sick. And so, you know, if my husband's back hurts and, and he carried the water bottle in and normally he puts it in the machine and he didn't. He left it on the floor and um, and I just put it in the machine. But I have to put it in the machine without announcing to him that I put it in the machine. Like, like I 
for me, keeping his happiness uppermost in my mind means not only do I do it, but I don't rub his face in it. And the funny part is he came back in the kitchen later on in the day, and I think he genuinely thinks he did it. Like, I think he forgot that he never put in the machine. And for me, it was like, it's sometimes it's harder. It was harder to not say anything about that small act of kindness than it was to not eat cake at one point. And so it tells me that I have room to grow and that um, this practice, yeah, this practice of keeping others' happiness uppermost, I can carry out every day. Thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa C. Next up, Lou B. Followed by Janice B. Hey, Lou. Hey, Kelly. Good morning. And um, thank you for your service. So, yeah, this paragraph, <laughs> the whole keeping my husband's happiness in my mind is something that is absolutely only possible when I am abstinent and. Um, you know, recovered and living in 10, 11, and 12 and taking care of my stuff because um, my normal mode of operation is to be obsessing about myself and my problems and what's going on in my life and, you know, and, and how important it is that, that, that my stuff gets taken care of, right? I mean, I wake up every day thinking about me and um, it's only through getting on my knees in the morning and turning my will and my life over to God and surrendering my life and and being willing to accept the gift of the gifts of emotional and physical abstinence, um, you know, that I'm able to show up to life and be an adult and be a loving and caring person. So this idea of having my husband's happiness uppermost in my mind is it's something that's not even a possibility if I'm active in my disease. So, um, and, you know, I mean, that, that's what I think... Um, a marriage is supposed to be about, right? I mean, we're here to uplift each other and love each other and and be in uh, connection and harmony with one with each other. And uh, the years that I was in my disease, just like just like I've heard this morning, I mean, I was I was checked out. I was out of the relationship. I was out of the family, and uh, not even present. You know, so uh, my marriage has has just improved. A lot, <laughs> uh, you know, through through this way of life, and you know, when I can, when I can take care of my problems, when I can wake up and I can pray and I can think about others' uh, happiness, then um, I can I can be available, you know, to to be a partner. And so I don't know if that's much about this amends, uh, but but I just wanted to to kind of reiterate what I've heard others say this morning, that, that keeping somebody else's happiness first wouldn't happen without without this way of life. And I love the share earlier where the woman was just kind of on fire about her recovery and, and how grateful she was. And uh, I really feel that way today. And 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 it's only through through the steps that that's a possibility. So thank you for letting me share this morning, and everybody have a great day. Thank you so much, Luby. Thank you. Good to hear you on the lines. Okay, so next up we have Janice B. followed by Brenda A. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B., recovered compulsive overeater. 
and um, grateful to be here and grateful to be opening my mouth. You know, I have got so much fear around sharing on vision for you. I don't, um, I've done 10 steps on it. And what I know is I need to share and, um, uh, and I'm like, the only way I can do that is by not um, thinking of myself, um, but thinking of uh, love for other people on the line here and um, sharing what my experience, strength, and hope. And so I'm not too sure what I'm going to say here, but um, uh, it all starts with with trusting and taking an action. And here in the amends, that's what we're being asked to do, to, um, to, uh, to act in according to what we think God would have us do. And God, for me, is deep down inside me. And, um, and in, in, the second step, I named the characteristics of my higher power. And my work is to be in alignment with those characteristics. And, um, and when I take the actions of being and acting in alignment with, um, with my higher power that I've, I got to name, you know, um, that's, I want to be like that. And it's not self-centered, but it is loving. It's, it's loving for everyone involved. And sometimes that's hard to determine. And that's why we need to, um, you know, first take it to my higher power and then next take it to my sponsor to get a, a check on it. And, um, when I'm acting in accordance with my higher power, um, I'm living in the sunlight of, of the spirit. That's that's how that's how it happens, and um, and it's not it happens it happens organically when my behavior changes, and I found that I can't change my behavior by getting out the whip. It only happens with love and acceptance of myself and others and and time please paying attention. Okay, thank you. Um I passed. Thank you so much, Janice B. Next up is Brenda A and we'll have time for more shares. Good morning, Brenda. Good morning. Um, again, I am very grateful to be on this call. I am experiencing day 10 of abstinence. I am a recovering compulsive overeater. This paragraph <coughs> excuse me, has been extraordinarily difficult for me, even though I've read it dozens of times. And it wasn't until this morning that I fully understood it. I have great difficulty in letting go of what I perceive as wrongs, particularly in relation to my husband, and I will pray to God to let bygones be bygones 
something that I'm very embarrassed to admit is um, my husband is recovering from cancer, and when he got sick, and which has been about five years ago, I um, I was so angry with him, and I, I'm, I'm just so ashamed to say it, but I resented him being sick, and I resented our lives being put on hold. And part of it with me is I do everything, have done everything for him that I can, and then I resent him for it. I love him so much. I don't want him to be sick. I want our lives back the way they were. We are living the new normal, and yet this pain that I feel and what I had been doing until I became abstinent was binging and stuffing myself with food because I felt unappreciated. Where he didn't get sick um, to hurt me, and as much as I understand and everything I do for him, I pray to God to get rid of this resentment and to make sure his happiness and everyone else's happiness is uppermost rather than mine, and to let go of the resentment. That's what my goal is. And again, today might be the first time that I've truly understood this paragraph, and I pray to God that I can resolve these feelings and work very hard on letting bygones be bygones. Again, it's hard for me to share, but I'm happy to have the opportunity. Thank you, and I'm grateful to everyone who shares on these meetings. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brenda A. All right, so we have time for a few more shares, a couple more shares. We're on page 82, the first paragraph. Perhaps there are some cases. Jason K. Christina J. Jen A. Wait a minute. Jason K. Christina J. Christina J. And Jen A. I'll put you on there, Nancy, so we'll see. All right. Let's get started with Jason K. followed by Christina J. Hey, Jason. Good morning. This is Jason K. Recovered compulsive eater from and bulimic from outside of Philadelphia. And so this this is uh, talking about amends. And the paragraph before I love it, it starts with our design for living. And in this case, it's talking about mending personal relationships. And I like to look at this word amend, where you know it has some root words to mend, to fix, to make whole. Sometimes we think of amends as we're going to go have this conversation and it's going to be better. But this is talking about a process that we live this design for living. And for me, this is the harder thing because I can get all excited. I can get really worked up. I can go to a person. I can say I was wrong. It's very humbling. It, it gives me a good feeling. But on a day-to-day back, uh, basis, to practice a spiritual way of living. And, and what does that mean for me? The reorientation. I used to go to people saying, you know, how can I get my needs met? And I throw it in there, well, how can you get your needs met too? Because that's going to help me get my needs met. But they're talking about going with uh, a basis of how can we keep others' utmost happiness in mind. So when I'm with my family, I can ask myself the question, how can I be of service? How can I be helpful? The reorientation, and this is where on a day-to-day basis, we're living on a spiritual way of life, trying to let the past be gone, trying to live, uh, and, and for me, it's about asking different questions, you know, how can I be of service? I work with students with special needs, instead of thinking about how can I make my day easier and get this kid's behavior under control, 
what does this student need? How does this person, you know, think? How do they act? How can I serve them? And, you know, the book talks about we try to bring our families into a spiritual way of life. How do we do that? Do we, you know, convert them or, or preach to them? Not necessarily. I think what happens is we start changing and showing uh, different behaviors. So with me and my dad, for instance, they're saying, I love you. And he, he kind of laughed nervously and he thinks that was kind of, you know, he felt a little awkward about that. I could tell, but I just said it. And now it becomes something we can say on a, uh, on a more frequent basis with ease and comfort. Um, and, and, and so this is the part of the beauty of this way of living. And I think that that's all that. Thank you so much, Jason K. Next up, Christina J. followed by Jen A. Hey, Christina. Hey, good morning, Kelly. Good morning, everybody on the line. <clears throat> Christina J., compulsive, recovered overeater here in the state of Washington. You know, um, when I was in my disease, I was chasing food. That was the main thing. And then um, as I got older and when I would get thin, I would chase love and affection. And one night I had... Uh, we talk about food, let me go back for a second, being like you take your bites and you got like 15 seconds of joy. Well, this affair was literally 15 seconds of joy, and there was a big buildup to it. Just like with food, we have a big buildup as our obsession of the mind takes over. And um, my obsession of the mind went absolutely insane around this, and it ended up being, you know, a big, exciting 15 seconds. And then I was left to walk out into the darkness with my horror and fear well, the horror and fear got worse because I got pregnant and I had to have an abortion. And who found out about that <clears throat> months later? Um, my husband, who worked at the hospital, and I was not in recovery. And he said to me, trying to give me an out, there's a girl in L.A. that has the same name as you, and, you know, maybe your records got mixed up with hers. Well, my husband and I were both addicts, and we were both lost in our diseases, and we were both selfish, and we both had vendettas deep inside of us. Well, I'm going to show you. I'm going to get you. And I didn't know that. I was running by the seat of my pants thinking I was a good person, had good moral character, but here I was faced with this. And I didn't have any sponsor. I didn't know what program was. I went to a friend of mine who was a vocal teacher, and she said, you've got to tell him. Uh, you've got to tell him you can't live under this fear. And I mean, the evidence was on the damn table scared to death so one night I sat him down and you know it was uh it was definitely uh right in his face and he left and I was left in my horror but you know what the the main purpose of me telling that story is back then I didn't have compassion for his pain I had only the fear of my rejection the fear of what I'd done um maybe deep inside there were some moral things about it but I was so lost in this disease I had no idea um, and I had had other affairs, and uh, when I did my fourth step, my sponsor and I talked about it. This man didn't know about the others. Why hurt him any deeper? You know, why throw that in his face? And um, as I've gone through this program, my heart has opened into a huge flower of compassion and, and wanting other people's happiness. And today, if I had to do this, you know, I might lay on the floor and die. It hurts so much to think that I did these things to this person. And this is what this program does, you know. And so when we get to this paragraph, we definitely want to work with someone carefully, you know, not to be running from our ego and, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them because I need to be unloaded, you know. This is um, an intimate tender situation with people's hearts and jealousy can come up and especially if the other person isn't in program and doesn't have a connection with god um so that's kind of my story i wanted to say i'm going to finish up where i had been in this disease and 
where I have come because of these steps, and I'm so grateful to have a compassionate, loving heart today. Time, please. I'm going to be careful when I do things like this. Thanks for letting me share. All right, next up, Jen A., followed by Nancy P., if we have time. Hey, Jen. Hey, Kelly. Good morning. I'll keep it short so Nancy can get some time on the clock. But, um, you know, I, I love this. Am I going to be frank or am I taking it on the flank? That's what I have to remember, and that's the bulk of, of this um, paragraph for me. And I just want to share a quick amends. Um, I've been talking about my ex-husband a lot. He was my biggest amends to make. And, um, you know, I made amends um, to his new wife, um, my kid's bonus mom. That's what we call her today. She wasn't always that. I will tell you, as a result of this program, I have an amazing relationship with her. Um, but I had made my amends to her and then was supposed to make my amends to him, and we were texting, I'll meet you at Starbucks, da 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 She got wind of it and put a total stop to it. And so this is one of those where I went to my sponsor and said, what do I do? Um, I will tell you that I had to not only do the four-step inventory, but I continued to do 10-step inventory around my ex-husband for months after I did it because I wasn't ready to make the amends. I think this is what's so great about this program is that I could I could understand why um, you know, she did not want me coming making an amends. It says right here in this paragraph we're talking about jealousy, right? How you, how you come into a relationship is usually how you're going to go out is what my sponsor said. The most terrible human emotion is jealousy. She was jealous of me. Um, she was jealous of the change that I had made in my life over the last, um, you know, what was it, months, few months? And so um, I did write the letter. I did write it to both of them, and I handed it both of, to both of them face-to-face so that she knew that my intentions were clear. I was not trying to cause harm. They read it together, and he responded back to me. And from this point forward, we've always been on a three-way text with any communication. So how did I learn about this? Through the man that was guiding me through the work. I didn't go out and do it on my own. Again, I'm consulting the committee of three, me, God, and somebody else at all times. And just, you know, for me too as a sponsor, if I don't have, if I don't have the experience around it, surely I'm not going to guide the person that I'm working with. I keep sending them to people. We keep listening on the lines. You ask a question on the line. Somebody, you'll find somebody who has the experience around the amends that you have to make, and then you can go out and make it. Thanks, Kelly, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Jen A. So, Nancy P., you got two minutes. Go, girl. Okay. Thanks, Kelly. Nancy P. calling from West Newton, Massachusetts. Yeah, I um, through this reading of the ninth step, I started to get really jumpy. And yesterday I called a dear friend and discussed something um, that I need to make amends, financial amends, really ego deflation because the financial part is practically inconsequential, I'm sure. Um, so I'm ready to do that. But then when I, talk, when, I was, when I was reading this, I realized that, you know, the amends in my home, you know, I've said this on the phone before, on the line before, you know, I feel completely different. Nobody in my family has come and said to me, oh, my God, I just love being around you now because you're so awesome. No one has said that. But that's fine. You know, I don't need that. I, you know, I don't. I'm not looking for that, but I do notice that, um, and I don't draw any attention to that at all to, you know, it's just sort of a secret little joy that I have that, you know, I don't yell anymore. I go where people are. I don't scream, you know, come on down here or come on up here or do this. I go and talk to people face to face. I'm not a yelling mother or wife anymore. Not that I was so much of a wife, a yelling wife, but I don't scream, you know, for my kids to do things from three rooms away. And, um, and 
and I think that people have relaxed around that, and and that gives me joy. So um, that's all I have to say about that. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Well, good timing. Okay, great meeting. Let's see. Uh, thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today's meeting, Friday, January 10th, is 13949. 13949. So we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Janice PM please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, certainly. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.